Welcome to this week's episode of The Last Refuge. I'm your friendly neighborhood dungeon master, DM Jazzy Hands, and with me I have... Bria! And Flick! Again, just a duo. Last time, Kit and Bizdira set out on the first reconnaissance mission to the Central Island. They traveled aboard the submarine with Captain Schniv for the first part of the journey, and then jumped into the water and swam the rest of the way to shore, with with Kit wild-shaped as an orca, obviously, not just two Azamar swimming, it doesn't matter. While swimming, they discovered powerful whirlpools that would make marine navigation around the island perilous, but managed to avoid them and land on a small, sandy cove. Once there, the earth and air elementals took their turn, with a devastating earthquake destroying their only path deeper onto the island, and a too-close-for-comfort lightning strike that nearly took out our adventures. Upon their speedy return through a tree, Kit and Bizdira found out that some of their friends had gone missing. Now, it's Flick and Bria's turns, and they've got several things to take care of. What will this duo get up to? Will they continue the search for the missing NPCs? Or will Operation Central Island Recon 2 Electric Boogaloo be a goo? Go. Let's find out. Hey, y'all. What a goo. Hello. There's a lot of ooze. Sorry. I got lost. How we doing? Hi, you two. I'm so excited. Hello. (laughs) I am too. Now, I should flag right now that though it is kind of important for the two of you uh, going forward to know everything that happened to Bizdira and Kit when they went on their recon mission, you don't know anything that happened to Bizdira and Kit when they went on their recon mission. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> okay, that's not entirely true. You've gotten some TLDR overviews, and and now Robert is informing you of the term wet checks, which was a thing that we needed during their episode. I don't like I that. don't like that I phrase. Don't like that. <laughs> Neither did they, funny enough. But the point I'm making for uh, our listeners is that Taryn and Alex have not heard the previous episode, so we're going to be filling them in as best we can, but if there are strange inconsistencies, that's why. Uh, how you two doing? I missed you last time, but also had a lot of fun with the other two ladies. How are you all? Good, I think. I can't wait to hear the episode. Me I can't too. wait to hear all the the fun adventuring to be that was had. I tried to, and I, I couldn't, I, I had my intro up on the screen in front of y'all's faces, so I couldn't see it, but I was really hoping, like, I, I'm pretty sure no one at up to now had mentioned the lightning strike to you all, so I, like, tossed that in just to make you nervous. Yeah. I did write it down. I wrote down all of those things. Oh, good. Good. Yeah, see, we're learning. Now, we're, nine seasons in, we're taking some damn good notes. Yes, we... We, <laughs> us two, are oh, God, all yeah. taking... Oh, plus maybe one of the other girls, Her- but I don't know about episode. the other one. We're going to go through this whole episode, and then you're going to get back, and it's going to be like, well, we didn't actually learn anything useful, because we didn't write any of it down, we don't remember what happened. <laughs> I'll just, Karin. They both just fucking shrugged at me as if to say like, yep, and that's your problem to deal with, DM. I have things. Oh, please. You have things. Let's as always. Things. Of course. Well, because I get so excited that I like don't text you because I'm all excited to tell you when we're doing this. So we have content. To tell me in public with everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you meaning everyone. Um, number mm-hmm. one. I don't know if I've said this before because I don't know if this was like a thing that happened before. Um, I am so proud of my kiddo because she asks people's names. And this is obviously relevant <laughs> to D&D. Um, but like, She's a we'll robot. like She's meet, not a real person. <laughs> we'll like meet a neighbor and she'll be like, mommy, what's their name? And I'll be like, oh, she wants to know your name. A neighbor that I have probably known for five plus years that I have never, like, we know their, <laughs> their animals' names. Like, we'll be like, oh, Bindi's mom. Like, <laughs> just don't know their Hi. names. Anyways, Bindi's mom, if you're listening, you're lovely and I would <laughs> love to know your name, but we're too deep in at this point. Oh my God. 
I can't wait until Taryn finds out that Bindi's mom does actually listen. <laughs> and has been listening for nine she, seasons. Yeah, she made that joke absolutely certain that she isn't. And I mm. just want to be there when she finds out that I she actually, does. I wouldn't put it past her to find this at some point. Um, she seems like the <laughs> oh, type sure. that might enjoy okay. it. So again, I think she's lovely. So anyways, this is my my awkward way of saying like, hey, what's your name? Um, so anyways, really proud of my kid. Uh, number two, I did, okay. I should have left that for last. That was the most fun. I did finish, uh, Stranger Things season four. And for anyone oh, wow. who. It's a lot of content for it you. It is to watch. a lot of content, especially when you start watching very late, because a lot of them are like movie length. So I will say for anyone who also has my same fears about everything, that after like episode two or three, you'll know the scariest one. Because it yeah. feels very scary. And after that, it kind of comes down. Um, so it is worth the watch, though, I would say, for anyone who I have scared with my own fear. And then number three, uh, did anybody start playing Disney's Dreamlight Valley? No, but oh, every no. single streamer that I know has been streaming it in the last 24 hours. Is so it I fun? Was hanging out, uh, really it looks great. Like I it. was hanging out last night uh, with Milady Confetti watching her play it, and it looked delightful. But what's your first-hand experience? I really like it. Um, I loved Animal Crossing, obviously, and that's why I brought it up, because this was obviously part of COVID, and we talked a lot about Animal Crossing. Um, and it is really similar. Um, but I like that it's got a lot more side questy things that are short little oh. like 10 minutes that give you like, oh, I did a thing. I checked a thing off a list instead of just like zoning out on my phone. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, you get dopamine, I think, from that. Um, yep. It feels real good. Um, Love an achievement. Achievement unlocked, <laughs> baby. So those are, my, those are my things for this week. Aww. Well, that's a good thing. I have been, so I've already picked what game I'm streaming next as like my big like long arc on my channel but I'm so tempted to buy it anyway and just play it uh, maybe like at a stream every other week just so I could have an excuse to buy the game. I spent the whole $70 y'all. I don't know. I looked at it and was Treat like yourself. I'm gonna pay it's okay. I, well I was having a very bad day and I was like I'm gonna pay 30 <laughs> well, anyways you know what let's just spend the 70 and get the little familiar and do the whole absolutely. princess gown and that's what I did so. Good for you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah good, good for you. I, su- I do support that. Look some of those goofy like deluxe editions again the dopamine from like the extra gear or it's, the pretty okay. dress or the whatever worth it yeah i i honestly this is so sad but i have this <laughs> have you ever played redecor on your phone uh-huh. like an app? and i can't no, but i know exactly i what just it is. i just undownloaded it because it wants to take my money it wants to take your money and guess what i've paid i've paid before <laughs> i've paid that five dollars for that subscription in the month or whatever Look. you get like certain as as you level up you get you certain get bonuses, designs yeah. and colors and Seasonal. fabrics and wow it, it it does make a difference in your designs i will say but i also um, get mad because like some people have shit that i don't know where they get it well i get more mad really because mad. they don't rate my stuff as well as it should be rated. no <laughs> yeah it's all based on public opinion which is say it with me toxic for my mental <laughs> state and i don't know why i keep doing it but it's really fun it's I always enjoy. my least favorite designs that get like first place and i'm like oh clearly i, I do not I'm have like, an are... aesthetic that other people yeah the like. taste the taste level is questionable in, in this game but the speaking taste of... level on a purchase in app mobile game is questionable i go am figure shocked. shock face but speaking of disney has anyone seen the new um live action Pinocchio that just came out. We've watched 30 minutes so far. 30 minutes. Okay. Great. Have you watched it, Alex? I did. I watched it last night. 
Okay, we are nearly 10 minutes into this recording and must end this banter soon, but I have to ask if either of you can answer one very simple question about this Pinocchio live-action remake, which is simply why. Well, that's what I kept asking in the middle of it, but I think this is the last thing I'll ever say in my entire life. I think they did a, a pretty good swing at like trying to make it a story about ableism. That is all oh. I will say. That is all I will say. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. Oh, I like that. Take that with what you will. I'll, I'll consider it from that. Was it 100% successful? I don't know. I'll let you be the judge of that. But <laughs> they did they did give it a nice stab. All right. I like it. Well, we're full of recommendations, and we're just going to have to save some for future episodes because, Christ, it's been 10 minutes and 13 seconds since we started this recording, and we must go. Where we last left our adventures, Kit and Bizdira had come back through a tree from the central island, uh, back to the western island, and as soon as they return, were informed, I believe, I act like it's been weeks and weeks, but like, I recorded it a week ago and I don't remember. I think it was Brita who approached them when they return and informed them that some of their friends were missing. That was where we left our previous episode's cliffhanger, what we eventually found out since we last saw you was that it wasn't just one or even two, but three of our adventurous friends who had suddenly turned up missing. Hawks, Tomas, and Books have all not had had all not been seen for several days uh, when Kit and Bizdira returned to the Western Island. Were they together? No, they were not oh, originally. No. Kit came back and as she heard this news had a suspicion that a wisp of smoke that she and Bizdira had seen high on a mountain peak on the central island might be coming from a fire set by these three missing. Perhaps they went to the central island and got stranded there but didn't have any further proof. This was enough for Kit and Bizdira, and potentially you two, to want to go back immediately to the central island to find your friends. But after further discussion and Octavia's insistence that she locate them through scrying first, instead, uh, an all-points bulletin to the tri-island area was put out. Concern was that sending you two to the central island to search for your missing friends when you weren't even sure that that's where they were, especially considering everything Kit and Bizdira had to go through to get there, wasn't worth it. Wasn't worth losing the two of you for a chance at potentially, maybe, finding the place where those three might be headed. Instead, Brita insisted that perhaps the smart thing was to first search the islands that you're on, the much more easily accessible ones, for any signs of. Eventually, signs did start to turn up, but not them. But a month after Kit and Bizdira returned from the central island, it was noticed that a boat was missing. One of the first boats that had been constructed by the Cobalt Shipyard. Not a full-sized galley, but one of their smaller test boats? It's not certain that that's linked to the three missing ones, but it does make it more plausible that the three of them ended up together somewhere and potentially might have been lost somewhere at sea. Expeditions are sent out, but really no more leads are found. You all continue on with your preparations because what else can you do? Eventually, another recon mission to the Central Island will be necessary, but until you're prepared for it, it's too risky. Octavia is the only other person that you all know who continues to push for the idea of heading back to the center sooner rather than later. And you're not entirely sure that it's always for the best of reasons. Ever since Hush was returned to the Enclave, Octavia has been particularly protective 
of her three co-founders, and she's not been dealing with Books's disappearance particularly well. After three months since Kit and Bizdira came back from the Central Island, Octavia calls you all together, and three months after Kit and Bizdira return from the Central Island, you two, Bria and Flick, happen to be with Octavia on the Eastern Island, dealing with some enclave business, while Kit and Bizdira are elsewhere doing other things. Octavia asks you two to return to her chambers that evening. She wants you to help her with something. And when you meet her that night, she tells you that every single day, right before she enters her evening trance, she has been scrying for books and the others, and she's never been able to find them. She finally is at a point where she acknowledges that using, she won't bring herself to say wasting, that magical energy every day is having an effect on her ability to be effective in preparations. And so tonight is going to be the last time she tries to scry for books, and she wanted the two of you here with her. She lays out her scrying materials. She sets out a bowl of water that she intends to use as her focus. She casts a spell. And just as has happened every time for the last three months when she casts this spell, the water begins to shimmer, then goes dark. And she's able to tell you that this feels like the way scrying feels when there simply isn't anyone to be the subject of the spell. She's felt this every day, and she thinks that perhaps it's finally time to say goodbye. But then the water shimmers again, and slowly you see light expand from the center of the water, expand outwards, and you see not books, but hawks walking quickly, running almost, with a bucket, crudely formed a pail made out of twigs and leaves roped together. And she runs to a small, it's barely more than a puddle, scoops out some water, looks around, turns, and runs back the way that she came from. And you can see ahead of her the mouth of a cave. And behind it in the distance, you see a mountain peak. And it catches your eye, you two, because you remember what Kit said about a mountain with a wisp with wisp of smoke. It's much more than a wisp. Plumes of smoke are rising from the top of this mountain that you see in the distance behind the cave. But you can't get a closer look because Hawks walks toward the cave entrance, steps inside, and the water goes dark again. Octavia, completely stunned, lets the last few seconds of the spell fade away and looks to you all incredulous. So now you all are able to put things together. Hawks, at least, wearing bits from books and Tomas, knowing that someone, hoping that someone would search for them and perhaps use scrying and try to scry on familiar objects of the trio, was wearing bits so that the spell might capture her. It does seem that she, at least, is on the central island, exactly where it's hard to tell, but time is clearly of the essence, and the fact that Hawks felt the need to wear bits of the other two when she exited the cave that was somehow blocking divination magic doesn't bode great. Kit and Bizdira are away, and it would take several days for Kit to be able to assemble all four of you together. And even then, she wouldn't be able to necessarily take you to the Central Island, because as she learned, the topography there, because of earthquakes and fires and storms, changes so regularly that assuring herself that there's a tree available is at best a 50-50 chance. Octavia is beside herself and obviously wants answers sooner than later and is very worried that she wasn't able to pick up books in her spell and insists that you all do something 
quickly. You've never seen her like this, and she isn't rude or inappropriate, but she is certainly concerned only for Books' safety. So, what's the plan? Oh my goodness, what a saga. Okay, I think... What do you think, Brioche? The air seems like the easiest way to travel. Brie and Flick fly through the air. <laughs> That's all He's dancing, and I really wish that Bria had kept going, because then I could have just cut and pasted that for the opening. Um, so here's the thing about that. I can't rhyme quickly. So my husband Got makes it. fun of me all the time because I always will do like a little short clip of something and then I stop singing because I'd rather not even attempt to try to rhyme because then I just end up rhyming with the same word. So Hilarious. I would have rhymed with air. Anyways, yes, I think we should go. I Bria, uh, the second that, maybe not the second, maybe after the shock wears off, um, that she starts to see this scene show up is going to start drawing it. So maybe that gives us a better idea locks it in our memory of what it looks like. Um, make a, make an intelligence cartography check, uh, and that will help you all with navigation if you're able to sort of identify some. Because, you know, you might also not just necessarily be drawing the topography, but maybe where the sun was at that time of day and what, you know, other things might end up in that drawing. So let's have a look. Should either crit or crit failed? I'm going to use my lucky to not crit fail. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> also going to put that die away. Oh my gosh! Okay, this is just not meant to be. It's a sixteen. Oh wait, no, I have I have proficiency in this, so it's a twenty-one. All right, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you get, I mean, you get a good, you get a little look, uh, and it looks like actually the cave is probably somewhere on the northern side of the island. Kit and Bizdira uh, approached the island and landed on the southern part of the island. This looks like it might be on on the reverse side, as it were. But anyway, uh, continue on. So I do that. And yeah, I agree. I think we should fly. How do you want to fly, Flick? Well, typically we've been able to see these visions. Like when Kit has cast Scrying before, we've been able to kind of look on with limited view. Is there any way I could roll like an insight check on what Hawks is like? Is she actively fearful? I know she was running to get the water. Is there any sort of like, is she in danger? Is she, I I don't know, something like that. Yeah, I'll take an insight check. It's a 28. Yeah, she was definitely afraid. She was looking around to as if searching or keeping an eye open for danger. She was walking quite quickly, so clearly she has done this before, but she was obviously, with a 28, she was obviously very careful about where she was stepping mm. with every step. Yeah, she was, she was being very careful. She was being as quick as she could to spend as little time out of this cave as possible, and, and she was very nervous. This is three months since they've been gone? It's been three months. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I guess the next question is, we, we know we're flying, mm-hmm. but do we take anyone with us? Is this just an us thing? Is this a... Uh, do we do we grab the big flying ship? Is that something that we want to do? Or I, I, I don't know. What do we think? Does a flying ship turn invisible? No, it's not a fucking Romulan star cruiser. What are you talking <laughs> First of about? All, don't we have something that turns invisible? A, some type of thing that we travel in that turns invisible? Am I crazy here? I mean, the answer is probably I... yes. Did the, did the submarine go invisible? <laughs> or, you know what? This just in from story consultant Robert Hupp. Definitely not, is what he says. <laughs> so Maybe I'm just confusing the shield on the submarine as thing we press a button for that makes shimmery things and anyways oh well um, there is the lightning cloak on (laughs) the submarine but that doesn't make it invisible it just makes it zappy yeah well 
Zappy. Ooh, DM Zappy hands. Yes. <laughs> um, I think, I don't know. I kind of like the idea of us being invisible. So, like, we could potentially be flying on the broom together and could go invisible. Like, right at the end or whatever. I'm just a little bit concerned about, uh, like, hurricane winds and that type of thing. Because, like, if one of us, I mean, with our track record flying on this broom together. It's not that bad. It's not I mean, it is, good. okay, like, yes, we've, well, it's, I would say it's definitely pro-am. It's not pro, but we're, we're like, getting into the circuit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm just thinking that, like, falling into some soft, powdery snow and falling through a hurricane potentially into the water into crashing water down below is probably feels a little bit different. My only counter argument is that falling into a dragon, and by that I mean inside of a dragon's throat. I was there. Somewhere on the far side, right? It's like snow, water, dragon stomach. Can we get... No, we we won't have enough time to make it. Never mind. I was going to say, can we get like little flying sea dews? Oh, wouldn't that be cool? The dream. Wait, that would be amazing. Okay. The broom. No. The broom. Well, because they have a little bit more protection. Like the broom is like it's like. I mean, the broom is is okay. So like thin bike versus the big like Harley motorcycles. Well, I guess motorcycles have a little bit of front and coverage, whereas like the broom is like the skinny little thing that like. Well, we did talk about last time finding an artificer who might be able to like put handles and like very moped the. Mopedify. We definitely did that. And I have like a little seat now. Oh, no, that would yeah. be nice. Oh, can so, I have a sidecar? So are we taking a oh. boat or a broom or something else? Well, we're asking well, it's gotta you. Be a broom. What? Yeah, you what? can't have anything that you don't already have. I can't have a sidecar. Oh, what? It's been three months. It's so bad. <laughs> um, all right. All right. You know what? The three months argument I will take into account. You all can have. Okay. Explain to me what kind of broom modifications you want. Ooh. I, I think, well, a sidecar would be huge, but I think maybe if we got some like seat belt or seat modifications mm-hmm. so that we don't easily fall off. Mm-hmm. I think okay. that's probably the biggest thing. Yeah. Okay. I'm not a sidecar, I just don't I don't see that going well in terms of like balance. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna argue for maybe another time, but continue. <laughs> well, if we look, did if we did that's two it. Maybe it takes six months. For you to get okay. both sidecars built, and okay. then right, so we can talk about that later. If you think I'm not taking God, a note on hour. this, no, I know you are. But what I will give you is, in the intervening three months, some of the spellcasters have managed to create sort of a. Uh, basically, they have repurposed a rope of entanglement yes. to serve as a sort of seatbelt system. Basically, now I will say it requires the command word to get undone. Right, so it's very secure, uh, but you both know the command word, so that shouldn't be a problem. Like, what do we want the command word to be? I do see this as like our broom. Do you, or is it just yours? Yeah. Too? Oh, yeah. Okay. No, it's ours. No, okay. it's ours. Okay. It's ours. I mean, I take care of it and sleep in yeah. it and ride it all the time. But yes, yeah. it's ours. Okay. But I think maybe I got, like, it's got to be custody. Well, and you. Okay, so you have like you're friends with the sea hags, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. It should be bubbles. Yeah. I like bubbles. Isn't that right. nice? Bubbles. So you're gonna take bubbles okay. to the central island. Now I will say, uh, this will be Is that the is that the name of the broom? Bubbles. Is that not oh, the name yeah. of the broom? I thought that was <laughs> well, what we were discussing what the release word was. Oh, bubbles is the, the command oh, word. Gotta gotta go. Pop the... pop pop. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. I think that's that's fine. Yeah, let's make it pop. <laughs> Who made right. me? Who made me this way? 
What in the world? Great. Wait, I had so- something else I wanted to say. This is an, a legitimate question. You hate me so much. <laughs> Could we, as we get closer to the island, tiny hut around to protect no. us around? Why? There's the no tiny hut around. Yeah, that's why I'm asking. A is, point. Okay. It, okay. I was just thinking of like a bubble around us because then we pop, 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 and then it's pop, pop. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So no tiny hut. The broom is named Bubbles. We say pop, pop, pop. So we have all the important stuff figured out. In this we have to do it three times. Okay, pop, pop, pop. Right. I will also say that uh, your question about Tiny Hut does bring up a good question because though the broom is quite fast, it will take you multiple days to fly to the heart of the world. Oh. So I assume you'll be like taking turns sleeping and driving the broom because I don't really know where you're going to put down to rest on the way Ooh, there, which is fine. Fun. I believe it's possible, particularly now that you've ingeniously used the rope of entanglement. Well, this is where I think the ship might come in handy because we can leave it, we can anchor it, well, anchor it in the air somewhere, maybe a little ways off, and then take the broom into the island. I'm laughing because I don't know why I let this conversation go on that long when that's exactly what Kit and Bizdira did, and you all would have known that and probably done that very quickly, but it's fine. We love a bit of silliness. Yeah, that's basically what Biz and Kit did with the sub. They took it until it was clearly dangerous for the sub to continue and then went went to swimming. So you all can, can start off on a ship and then if and when you get to a point where the ship is endangered, but maybe you all can go through through on your own, you can swap, that's fine. Now, with this in mind, do we want to maybe bring Mirko with us or Octavia with us or someone with us to, like, hang on the ship? You're in, you're on the eastern island in the Enclave, so that limits your choices somewhat, although Octavia is obviously there with you. He's thinking. Busy yeah, man. I think I think Sniv is the most important um, NPC that we've created for this entire campaign, so I think he, too, should come with us. I'm going to tell Aryx you said that. Uh, well, Aryx was with us for a short time, and Sniv has been with us for, I think, four of the seasons, no? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You're right about that. That's true. Um, yeah, so Sniv will definitely be captaining. Did you want someone else to come to stay with the ship? If Sniv is on it, I'm fine. As long as oh, there's yeah. someone I think, there. I think at the very least, Sniv will have to come with you to captain. Okay. I mean, you could pick someone else, but I. why would you? Uh <laughs> Okay, so I'm ready uh, no. to I'm ready to go now, and I'm actually yeah. will start like pulling out all of my regular games that we used to play on the sub. I'm just gonna have <laughs> them like that's how I board, uh, and I take you know Dramamine or whatever I need to take to make myself get on this thing. Yeah, I mean, just totally knock yourself out for at least the first few days as you all board the flying ship, uh, which I know was somewhat dismantled by Mirko a while back, uh, but was able to Somewhat be... dismantled? He took it apart! <laughs> he just wanted to see how it was made. But the good news is, he wasn't entirely wrong. He was able to mostly put it back together. Um, it's a little it's a little different now, but it's fine. It flies. It's still good. It's now powered by a what bunch of the... brooms. Like, there's just brooms on the side. That's what he did. <laughs> and you can unclip them, and everybody has a broom nope. and a sidecar. Hey everybody, your friendly neighborhood dungeon master DM Jazzy Hands here with a few mid-show announcements. First of all, if you're enjoying the episode so far, it would be slick if you could pop on over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you get our podcasts from. Leave us a rating and a review. We'll always read them on the air, and it's been a while since we've had one. And I really want to read some of them in Season 10, so leave us some good stuff for them. We also want to remind you, of course, as usual, about our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash dndlastrefuge to get access to all kinds of cool perks, like early access to all of these episodes leading up to Season 10, and then we'll do our best to get you Season 10 episodes early as well. Character sheets for our four PCs and much more. Of course, you are also supporting other content creators across the Patreon sphere through our 
Patreon at Forward program, so really no downside. I do at this moment want to take a minute to recognize some of our awesome patrons and thank them for their support. Thank you to our Heralds of Denier, Shimmy Gangot, Tanya, and Ark, to our honorary party member Seven, to our Shimmer Scale tribe leaders, Eugenio, Eliyahu of Merck Grove, Lisa Diane Mercado Etheridge, and Harmony Bat. And since this is the last episode of this month, we want to thank our Shimmer Scale council members, Nat Rose, Tony A. Ellis, Lucas Hokum, Steffi Bernard, River Daniel, Stephen Mosley, Verpio, Kin, Sam Ellis, Kelsey G, Jay Sprig, Gordon Ross, Sam Rodman, Jabari Bunch, Tanya C. DePass, Adam Mando Wookie, Avari Roman, Shane, Sophia, Lavender Kazi, and Steven Sikora. If you want to get shoutouts on the show and much, much more, hop on over to patreon.com slash DND Last Refuge and become a patron today. Enjoy D&D video games, but don't have dozens of hours to dump into another giant RPG? Well, have we got the game for you. Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms is a set-it-and-forget-it idle game featuring tons of your favorite characters from Forgotten Realms lore and from contemporary popular D&D stream shows. You can get more information on the game at CodenameEntertainment.com or on Twitter at at IdleChampions. And when you start playing, use the Electrum Chest Codes found every week in our episode notes to get gems, gear, and other power-ups all for free. Enhance your characters and defend Faerun with TLR and Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. We want to thank BattleBards, Scott Buckley, and Kevin McLeod for the music you hear on our show. You can find their collections at BattleBards.com, ScottBuckley.com.au, and in CompTech.FilmMusic.io, respectively. As always, you can, of course, also check the episode notes if you want specific track names, artist names, and links to those tracks. If you ever get adventures, character options, new monsters, or really anything at all from the DMs Guild or from any of the drive through family of websites, be sure to use our affiliate links that you can find on our website or in our episode notes when you shop at those sites so that TLR gets a portion of your purchase. It's like Amazon Smile, but make it D&D. We also want to thank D&D Beyond for their support of our podcast and for being generally amazing in every way possible. If you aren't already a D&D Beyond fan and user, go check out their services at dndbeyond.com. You won't regret it. Fancy a little more last refuge in your life? Dream of waking up to a cup of glorp and a relaxing puzzle sesh with Flick? Or maybe you just want to rep your favorite podcast during your morning run with a TLR t-shirt and water bottle? Well, your dreams can be a reality if you go to bit.ly slash TLR merch store, all lowercase, right now. Our merch store is fully stocked with all sorts of TLR goodness, and we're always on the lookout for ideas for new products. Visit the store, pick something out, and be sure to take lots of pictures and tag us on social media media. Quick personal plug. So next Wednesday, October 5th, we're not going to be dropping a new TLR episode. It's an off week for this interim season, but I am going to be premiering season four of my sci-fi tabletop actual play show, Into the Motherlands. If you recall a while back, it's been a while now, Into the Motherlands uh, is an all-new sci-fi system and setting uh, written entirely by BIPOC creatives, and I have the great honor of having worked a little bit on the book, uh, but mostly uh, that I get to be the storyteller for the actual play show. So we're coming back for a fourth season. We've got a new player with us. We've got some returning characters. It's going to be a great time. We're kicking it off next Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over on twitch.tv slash cypher of tier. And with that, let's get back to the episode. We're going to be back with our next episode after this in two weeks. So look forward on Wednesday, October 12th. That episode is going to be the finale in the Terran Talk series when Terran finally gets to have a one-on-one chat with the elusive story consultant, Robert. 
Other than that, that's all the announcements that we got for you this week. As always, stay safe, stay healthy, fight racism where, when, and however you can. And happy gaming, y'all. All right, so you all get on board. Sniv is ready. I feel like all I do is ferry you all place to place, and I gotta tell you, I could think of worse ways to spend me life. Aww. I turned that one around because it sounded so snarky midway through. Yes, you did. (laughs) It did. Yes, you did. Yeah, I turned it around, though. I thought he was going to ask for his salary, and I don't think he can afford that. Listen, you don't deal all, with money economy. Listen, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to encourage any sort of, you know, like uh, payment for exposure. But I will say, like, uh, I think me payment is the world survi- civilization surviving the next fourteen months. Oh, okay. how nice! <laughs> all right, so you all can uh, can get on the ship and head that way. It is, uh, once you get sort of out over the open ocean between the eastern island and the central island, uh, it's it's quite a, quite a vista. As the months have gone on, obviously things have been getting somewhat worse with the elemental upheavals, but things that you all have put in place, including first and foremost, the Glorp early warning system, uh, have been have been working really quite well. Uza has been has only really missed a few here and there. Uh, and so warnings have been able to go out. Uh, people have been able to get to safety or as time has gone on and the incursions have become stronger and larger, more people have been going out to combat them. Lives have been lost, but relatively few compared to what it would have been if there were no way to alert folks that this was coming. Uh, but they have been intensifying as time goes on, as have the weather events at sea. No matter what island you're on, you've noticed this, but now that you're out in the middle of the ocean, you can just see all over the place in every direction, storms here, strong winds and enormous waves over there. Even at this distance, you can't really see the central island, but you can see the strikes of lightning coming from its vicinity in the distance from where you know it must be. First day or two, fairly uneventful uh, on the ship, but as you get closer, Closer, winds do begin to pick up, uh, and eventually Sniv does alert you all that uh, our, the winds seem to be uh, not not slowing down like they were. Uh, the worse they get, the harder it is for me to steer. I, we're still in okay shape, but y'all, ye too may want to, uh, to well, you could come up and give me a hand, or if uh, failing that, you might want to strap yourselves in. So, strap ourselves in? <laughs> well, no, I was going to say I wanted yeah, to help out. For sure. I mean, I... No, not you. Bria, you don't can do say whatever for you sure. want. No, for sure I would help out. Absolutely. Okay, all right, all right. All right. Uh, so, you all go up on deck, and you see that, in fact, it has started to rain a little bit. It's very, very cold rain, particularly at this altitude. Uh, but the winds really are buffeting the ship. You felt them below, but out here on deck, you can... I mean, it's, you see the ship as it kind of lists. It doesn't, it, listing is not even, you can't really use sea terms, right, to explain it. It's more like plain terms, right? It's turbulence, but it's, it's craft shifting turbulence at times as these gales of wind broadside the ship. Uh, I need you all to, so uh, Sniv is at the helm. 
Um, there are lots of options for ways that you could help. Uh, feel free to get creative and then figure out some abilities to roll. I'm going to go ahead and say the charisma abilities probably. I mean, look, you can make your arguments, but I don't know how helpful they will be here. Um, Why not? I feel personally well, attacked. I, yeah, you both should. Well, what about a survival? Maybe I could uh, be on my broom trying to like search to for... Uh, less turbulent skies, maybe nearby or up ahead. Yeah, okay, I, I like that. I'll take I'll buy survival for that. Sniv will be, like I said, piloting the helm, and and in the intervening months since he first took you on that first voyage, he has truly gained proficiency in just about every kind of vehicle there is. So he'll be doing that. Uh, Bria, how about you? Can we go investigation? Maybe I'm investigating the ship for places that. Um, are starting to get damaged or places oh. that or maybe if I can see kind of how it's being how things I guess that's more survival of like how the wind is hitting it whatever but like yeah places that maybe the ship is getting damaged or that we could repair or whatever to make sure that we keep going yeah I like that a lot actually keeping an eye on the damage because damage is happening right it just is uh, but keeping an eye on it and shoring anything that really needs it up if you see a, a mast rope fraying or something like that yeah I like it I like it alright so everybody's gonna make two checks the first check should be the one that you just told me about uh, so for Flick it's uh, Wisdom Survival for Bria, it is intelligence investigation, and for Sniv, it's going to be. I think this first one's going to be strength water or strength air vehicles. Uh, Flick, how'd you do? Well, that's an eleven, so it's um fine. Okay, uh, Bria, how'd you do? A twenty-eight. Okay, and Sniv got an eighteen. Uh, so you all are able to pilot through as you begin, as the the rain really begins to come in stronger, and you begin to realize that you are smack in the middle of some. Well, not the very middle, because then it would be calm, but of some sort of storm. You're not sure that it necessarily qualifies as a hurricane, but it's well on its way. Before we say what happens next, now I need you all to make secondary checks. Flick, I need you to make a strength saving throw to stay on the broom in those winds. Bria, I need you to make either strength or intelligence no proficiency, because you're just going to be short. You're going to be figuring out ways to shore up the places where you're noticing damage. So either that strength to literally, like, fix things or intelligence to come up with ideas for jury rigging weak areas. Uh, and then Sniv is also going to be making a strength saving throw to try and not fall away from the helm. Do you think I could make, get advantage because of my new uh, rope of entanglement? Oh, Seatbelt interesting. System? Yes, I do. Uh, that makes things, and actually that makes the result of even a bad check a little bit different. So yes, take advantage. Okay, uh, Bria, what'd you get? A 20. Nice, flick. A 16. Excellent, and Sniv got a 15. Okay, so Sniv steers the ship into the storm, and Flick is sort of circumnavigating the ship, just keeping an eye out for obvious gusts of wind in the rainfall patterns and cloud movement patterns. Bria is keeping a sharp eye out for any areas of the ship that need immediate attention and repair. Flick is perhaps calling out less often than he hoped, but it is hard to tell just by watching the rainfall, right? I mean, how do you how are you able to respond quickly enough? So you're able to call out a few things here and there. Most importantly, though, you kind of, even if you're not able to warn Sniv early enough for him to move out of the way, you at least give Bria an idea of where some of the hits are going to come from so she can head there. And she does a pretty fair job of repairing things and keeping the ship going. Sniv is able to stay at the helm, and you all are able to pass through this storm and only and only take 20 points of damage each as various buffeting effects of the wind and debris in the air and from the ship pelt you. The ship takes 
twice that, since it's got the bigger surface area. So it takes over the course of things 40 damage. Bree is able to repair a good chunk of that, and that's not nearly enough to send the ship, you know, down by any stretch. But it's it's not a little bit of damage that has been dealt in this storm. But you manage to make it through, and you see opening up in front of you the heart of the world, the central island. You've approached from the east, and so you can see uh, a slightly different view than what your friends saw when they approached from the west or the south or wherever they came from. I don't remember now, but it wasn't the east. The first thing that catches your eye on the island is the highest mountain peak that you glimpsed in the scrying spell just a few days earlier, blasting gouts of smoke, black smoke into the air. But from up here, from this closer distance and higher elevation, you can see that, in fact, the top of the mountain has been blown off. This is not just a giant forest fire on the top of the mountain, but this is an active volcano somewhere near the center of the island that since your friends were here has fully erupted. You see an enormous storm brewing along several parts of the island with lightning strikes that obviously every one of which reaches the ground. And you can see more storm, winds, rain, potentially you see even hail falling as you get closer to the island. It's going to be a bumpy ride in from this point on for sure. How do you want to proceed? Well, when do we ditch the ship and just go on the the broom? I mean, it's got to be now, I think. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a risk management question. There also has to be a point where we are fine to leave it, where he's safe enough to be. So I think this scene, I think we're going to be able to dodge in and out a lot easier through getting away from these storms. Um, So I think it's, now's probably the time. Okay. Yeah, I think so too. And on the broom, uh, the, the, the closest shore or whatever of the central island is probably still several hours away. So it will be a long and arduous flight. But yeah, I mean, thinking about also getting out is a good point. Uh, Sniv, uh, you know, right now you're in an area of calm and and he can sort of see the weather systems in the immediate vicinity. So he'll be able to sort of tack in and out of the worst of it while you all are away. Let's have him flash the lights every like 20 minutes or something. So we'll have a good sight line. Even if there's like a storm in front of us, maybe we'll see the lights flash when we're coming back because we don't have an escape through trees method of heading home. All right. You all can mount up. Pop, pop, pop. Well, no, not not pop, pop, pop yet. Oh, well, what's the activation? Or glug, 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 blub, blub, blub. What's another, like, water, water type term? Can anyone make that sound? You know what I'm talking about? There it was. You got one. I'll just copy paste that one a few times. One solid one. (laughs) So you have to successfully do that every time you want to activate this rope. Sure, okay. We just say rope, (laughs) activate. Make this so difficult for ourselves. <laughs> this is definitely, in my opinion, going to be a sing-along, right? On our way in, we're singing the whole time. Uh, Yeah, sure. What do you want to sing? <laughs> Bria and Sniv fly through the air. Bria and Sniv? What happened to Sniv? Sniv? Oh, I know. Oh, my. Off you go into the winds. All right. I need the Bye. both of you as you go. Now, which one of you is steering? I think you steer. Okay. Okay. Wow, uh, I can't believe I'm letting you do that, but yeah, go for it. It's it's my weekend with the broom. Ha! <laughs> Incredible. From you, I need a dexterity uh, air vehicles check, and Flick, uh, I need... Well, actually, let's see how Bria does to start before I tell you what I need from you. Gonna use a lucky! Okay, two down. It's good. This is how we use them. Oh my goodness. Can I give you bardic inspiration yes, while can. we're doing this? It's a good call. I'm gonna go ahead and use that right now. Yeah, I thought you might. <laughs> That's what I, I used it. <laughs> 19. So, Flick, why don't you give me... You know what? It can be a dexterity saving throw. 
uh, and you can have advantage. All right, that's good. Much better than a strength. So as he is letting out the tune uh, to inspire, he successfully saves 22. Great. So as you all are flying, exactly what you expected to happen does. The closer you get to this island, the more intense the storms get, the heavier the rain falls, the larger the hailstones, the more frequent the lightning strikes. You all do a remarkably good job over the first couple of hours that you're flying, dodging and ducking and weaving here and there. And over the time that you all are headed in there, Bria, you only take 10 damage of very types as you head in. Flick, you take five. But it is an exhausting ride. Being out there, the wind whipping in your face, the rain feeling sharp and cold against you. Can I have both of you now make constitution saving throws? Taryn definitely fails us, because you were describing that, and I felt ill, mm. so... <laughs> Flick, how'd you do? That's a 10. Okay, and Bria, how'd you do? 18. Okay, Bria actually is fine. Flick, however, this run through this thing, especially not being in control. You know how much more stressful it can be to be the passenger in a car instead of the driver. Oh, yeah, no control. Yeah, it's the worst. Uh, Bria does great, but that's not the point, whatever. So you, ha- you, unfortunately, as you fly closer to the island, do gain one level of exhaustion. Oh, no. As you get through some of these bad storms and begin to see more clearly the sense Central Island and begin to scout for places where you might be able to land here on sort of the eastern part. And I assume that you're sort of, since you, since your cartography check, Bria, said they're probably somewhere to the north. I assume you also, this whole trip has sort of taken you around a little further north. Um, you I think s- we're in flying, I'm going towards the mountain mm-hmm. um, and then I'm going to try to start to look below to see where if I can see the little area that I saw her go into. Definitely. So why doesn't one of you, as you go in, as you begin to fly, you look for this, you do see an area, sort of a little mesa plateau type thing, not far from the sort of northeastern shore that looks like actually it might be an okay place to land. At least there's nothing to run into there. But as you can, you so you, you clock that, but you continue looking for the cave from the scry. Things are difficult up here, though. Right, The winds are quite bad. Rain makes visibility not awesome. So if one of you wants to make a survival check, I will be assuming that the other is helping, which would cancel the atmospheric disadvantage that you have. So you'd be able to roll normally. I'll help you and you do. I've only got a plus two, so... Okay, that's all right. Here we go. So I've got a 22. Okay, great. So you fly around and you take in actually several things, right? You, What you do notice, you, I would imagine, Bria, that one of the things you did spend some of your together time in the last several months with Kit and Bizdira was to try to recreate some sort of map-ish type thing of what they saw. Now, obviously, you're on a different part of the island, but... The topography just is so, like, it's hard for you at at first glance to imagine that this is even the same island that they described. They talked about a a sandy beach, which led to sort of a a cliff face with a canyon running through it that had a little oasis in the middle of the canyon. It was very rocky. There was some quicksand and some trees on the other side of the canyon. What you see here looks 
looks like hell. There are magma flows that have traveled all the way from that volcano in the center of the island and are emptying into the ocean at this end of the island. So you see whole swaths of the of the island that have just been burned away. You can see charred trees and, and all sorts of things where this magma flow has gone. You can also see areas where the magma has begun to cool and solidify and then earthquakes have cracked it. And so there are enormous geodes of igneous rock all over this area. Um, You can also see little bits where lightning has continued to strike in this area, causing all sorts of fires even away from the magma flow. It is a rough-looking landscape here. But you find, in sort of a little almost oasis, you find this cave entrance, and it doesn't look burned, and it doesn't look cracked from earthquakes, but you see it. Uh, You don't see any signs of life around it, but you do see it. Let's go. We gotta go towards it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you descend. I will need one more set of those checks, which is, uh, we'll start with Bria's dexterity check. It's a 13. Okay. Flick, I need you to make a dexterity saving throw. That's a dirty 20. Okay. So, Bria, you take another 10 various damage. None of it fire. uh, As you go down, but Flick, you're once again able to dodge the worst of it. And now that you're over the island, the storms are not quite so bad as they were out at sea. Though you can see that there are definitely still storms around and visibility is impacted everywhere you see one and there just is a ton of lightning. But in terms of like buffeting winds, they do seem to be a little gentler here at the center of the island. As you begin to swirl down through all of this though, there is one last hazard on your way and that is that all of the smoke from the volcano has begun to sort of get thick at this altitude as you descend. The visibility is terrible in the cloud, and I do need you both to make constitution saving throws uh, as you have to breathe this thick, sulfurous smoke. Uh, Bria. That's an 11. 11. Flick. That's a 6. He's coughing for sure. Both of you gain a level of exhaustion. Like, I believe that halves your speed now, so you're feeling rough, but on the broom, it doesn't really matter. Through, you hurry through, well, anyway, Bria hurries through this layer of of smoke from the volcano and and ash, uh, and you're able to drop below it after a point. So it isn't all on the ground. It's sort of, there's a layer of it in the air above. So you're able to pass through it and land pretty close to this cave entrance. And the cave entrance is peculiar. It's pitch black once you sort of are looking past the threshold. I think I'd like to stick my hand into the cave and see if there's any sort of force field or anything that, can it go beyond it? It can, it does. Nothing happens to it, but you can't see it once it crosses like the threshold of the cave. And that's how Flick lost his hand. <laughs> I feel like I just want to get in there, so I'm just going to go, oh wait, pop, pop, pop. Oh, pop, 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 yes, and then you go in, uh, and Bria runs in ahead. Flick, you're, you're a little slower on the uptake, but are you going to follow her in? Sure. Alright, so as you both pass across the threshold, you do feel some resistance, and once you're inside, the air changes. It is, um... Not, not cold, but definitely colder than it was out with all of the volcanic activity. Uh, it's also much quieter here in the cave. Will you both make Arcana checks? I'm rolling like doo-doo. It is an eight. Oh, and of course the worst news is, was that with disadvantage because you're exhausted? Oh, yeah. Oh, here we go. Let's see if we get worse. Hold on. Oh, no, it was better, oh, but it was still an eight. Okay. How'd you do, uh, Bria? I crit on one. Oh. Um, so that's a 17. Okay. Well, the 17, Bria, you, a couple of things click into place. 
and you realize that somehow, and it's, it's surprising, but also not at all surprising with everything else going on. This cave seems to be, the interior of the cave is on, or is kind of on, or maybe a demi-plane of the elemental plane of Earth. And that is probably why Octavia couldn't scry. Because the scrying spell can only target people on your plane, and if this cave is even kind of in a demi-plane, she wouldn't have been able to connect unless she happened to time it just right to search for somebody when they were outside of the cave, which she seems to have just happened to do this last time. I'm gonna, with that knowledge, I'm gonna start calling their names. Flick, yeah, I think Flick would minor freak out, Uh but go ahead. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, It only takes a few calls uh, for you to hear, ah, we're back here. Run, run, run. D- oh, we're going, go- we're going, beelining. You run, and you run, and you run. The acoustics here are quite good. Uh, you can tell by your footfalls that uh, judging distance based on sound is difficult. So you run for quite some time. Eventually, you see a flickering firelight glow a little ways away. You turn a few more corners, and you find Ox and You can tell that she's been here a while. There are little shelters set up, bedrolls, fire, the remains of some food. And Hawks is there standing, waiting for you all, just looking ever so tired. You look behind her and you see that two of the bedrolls are occupied. Hawks says, Ink, see you all again. She clearly is having all kinds of trouble. She's in pain. She has probably been in and out inhaling that smoke. She looks relieved, but also just desperately sad. I'm going to go to her with my arms outstretched like I'm going to give her a hug. And as long as she doesn't like recoil, I will grab her. Yeah, no, she doesn't at all. She falls into it for certain. And while I'm holding her, I'm going to give her my healing hands. Mm. At first, there's a sharp, and then she ju- you feel her just relax and sort of one long, shuddering sigh, sob breath. I'm going to go around and begin examining the other two in the bedrolls. Yeah, you head over to the bedrolls, and uh, you go over to one, and you sort of pull it open a little bit, and you find Tomas. Check the other, and there is books. You can tell that... Tomas was burned quite badly. Likely that was his cause of death. Books, it's harder to tell just by glancing at her face. If you wanted to do a more thorough sort of examination, you could see that it looks like she had several really badly fractured bones that caused all must have caused all sorts of internal damage. It's hard to see that her wounds are that bad, which just tells you be all bad on the inside. Can I maybe roll to see how long she's been passed? Uh, medicine. I crit. They are. They seem to have kind of died pretty close to each other and relatively recently. And it was probably about nine or ten days ago. I will then go over to join the hug or at least give some sort of condolence. Because this is, I mean, super sad. I'll have like, I'll, I'll pull out some food and stuff for her. Yeah. And she, you know, she gratefully sort of wolfs it down. She obviously, like, she's very actively trying not to look at her friends, but she's able to, as long as she's not sort of facing them, she can give you a brief overview starting at the end and explaining that she just, she didn't trust outside enough to bury them. She didn't know if what would happen to their bodies. And I'm going to look to Bria while she's, um, while Hawks is, I imagine her, Hawks kind of like, (laughs) 
for lack of a better term, like head in your bosom, like you're holding mm-hmm. her and like kind of consoling her in that way. And I, I'll look at you and say, I, I can bring one of them back, but not both. I'm going to ask her if we are safe in this place for tonight. Like, is this cave a safe place? She says, um, should be safe enough. <coughs> Been here weeks. <laughs> I haven't seen anything. Should be all right, but <coughs> I don't know. I'd like to get back as soon as we can. <laughs> Thinking about Octavia and the reason literally why we are here, unfortunately, Flick is more inclined to save books and raise them from the dead right now, as opposed to Tomas. So I think it, in that sort of, maybe that's like an unspoken thing where we kind of look at each other mm-hmm. and nod. Yeah. Flick will walk over to the the bedroll where books is laying. And this is something similar, you know, we've seen Flick do something like this before, but never, never something to this extent. And this is gonna, he looks over to you, Bria, and says, I, I'm, I'm not well right now, and this is gonna take me to my lowest point, I think. This is, this is really going to deplete me. But he puts both of his hands and kind of cradles their head in, in the bedroll. And you see uh, him close his eyes and it's almost as if you hear him playing a tune, but he's not actually playing his flute. And then as the tune grows louder and louder and even more beautiful and more lyrical, the hand, his hands start to glow underneath uh, Books' head. And after, I would say, 60 seconds of this, Books' eyes open just so, just so. And you hear the rattling of breathing. Bria, you, you remember, you flash back to when he saved Bizdira's life, you watch as that same draining, that same passing of Flick's life force occurs here, but it's different. It's through his music. It doesn't have that divine conduit like it did before. It doesn't drain him any less. In fact, potentially more. I will pat Hawks like as a little, like I'm going to walk away for a sec. You're good. And I'm just going to go behind Flick and I'm going to put my arms around him and I'm going to lay my head on him just to give him some support on his back. Yeah. You feel it in a way that you didn't expect. There is a current on in him passing towards books. Flick will collapse. There's no, there's not much left. He doesn't have much energy left. Um, but you hear and see uh, stirrings in the bedroll. Books is clearly brought back to life. Not also not doing very well. But I'll let Hawks. I'll like look at Hawks and be like, "You get this," and she can bring over food or whatever. She can have whatever she wants from the bag, and I'm gonna hold Flick and comfort Flick and, and do whatever he needs. Yeah, and it'll be several days before Flick or Hawks are back to full strength, are completely recovered from from this ordeal because it was that for both of them. But they are capable of getting around, and you all are able to, with some clever uses of the bag of holding and a very precise nine and a half minute timer for the air, so you're able to navigate your way back to Sniv and the ship. Can we bring Tomas's body? Yes, definitely. And bring books and hawks and Tomas home. And you arrive back. Tavia is beside herself. Hawks has a lot to process, and it's time to plan a funeral. Hawks insists on full kobold honors, which you all are familiar with, because as she has told you more of the stories of what happened to them, which we can go over another time, but Tomas was there out of sheer curiosity, but did everything he could to 
protect the three of them till he simply couldn't anymore. And that's where we're going to leave it for this week. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of The Last Refuge. Be sure to listen again in a couple of weeks to find out what we're gonna do next. You can reach out to the TLR team by leaving us a podcast review or by dropping us a line on Twitter and Instagram at at dndlastrefuge. That's at D, the letter N, D, Last Refuge. And if you've got more than 280 characters to say to us, you can also email us at dndlastrefuge at gmail.com. If you want to know more about us as players, access our Patreon, see some awesome fan art, and get links to other streams and podcasts where you can see us playing even more D&D, go to our website, www.dndlastrefuge.com. As always, I want to thank Robert Hupp, my story consultant for this campaign, and of course all of you for listening. I'm your friendly neighborhood dungeon master, DM Jazzy Hands, and with me I have... Bria. And Flick. Happy gaming, y'all. What will this duo get up to? Fun. Will they continue the search for the missing (laughs) NPCs? It's going to be boring and bad. (laughs)